Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, April 29, 2015. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 6, and we are at page 76, the last paragraph. Today's readers are Deborah S., Karen M., and Rachel N. M. The reference number for Tuesday, April 28th, is 7510. That's 7510. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Anita L. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from Philadelphia, the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Anita L. I will now ask Nancy S. to read the 12 Traditions. Thank you, Katie, and thank you for your service. This is Nancy S. from Wisconsin, a recovering compulsive overeater. Can you hear me okay? We hear you great. Thank you. Um, The 12 traditions of OA. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
too, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do this service, and I pass. Thank you, Nancy. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 76, the last paragraph, and I will ask Deborah S. to read two paragraphs, and we will focus our uh, comments on the second paragraph. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you, Katie. This is Deborah S. from New Jersey, and I am gratefully recovered for today. Thank you, God. Probably there are still some misgivings. As we look over the list of business acquaintances and friends we have hurt, we may feel diffident about going to some of them on a spiritual basis. Let us be reassured. To some people, we need not and probably should not emphasize a spiritual feature on our first approach. We might prejudice them. At the moment, we are trying to put our lives in order. But this is not an end in itself. Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. So it is seldom wise to approach an individual who still smarts from our injustice to him and announce that we have gone religious. In the prize ring, this would be called leading with the chin. Why lay ourselves open to being branded fanatics or religious bores? 
we may kill a future opportunity to carry a beneficial message. But our man is one, I'm sorry, but our man is sure to be impressed with a sincere desire to set wrong the to set right the wrong. He is going to be more interested in a demonstration of goodwill than in talk of spiritual discoveries. We don't use this as an excuse for shying away from the subject of God. When it will serve any good purpose, we are willing to announce our convictions with tact and common sense. The question of how to approach the man we hated will arise. It may be he has done us more harm than we have done him. And though we may have acquired a better attitude for him, we are still not to be too keen about admitting our faults. Nevertheless, we, such a person we dislike, we take the bit in our teeth. It is harder to go to an enemy than to a friend, but we find it much more beneficial to us. We go to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit, confessing our former ill feelings and express our and expressing our regret. Okay, good morning, everyone. This is Devora, and um, these paragraphs. There's so much stuff in here. There's just so much. And I guess the thing that I have to remember here is that I said I was going to go to any length to do what I needed to do to get recovered. And this is all part of it, you know. I have to take the bit in my teeth and just do it and just do it. But, you know, as an addict, you know, that, that's my problem. I just jump into things and I don't think things through. Um, and I just, you know, as an addict, I just want to get it done yesterday. Um, but, you know, that's why I have a sponsor. And when I got to this part, I discussed it with my sponsor exactly how I was going to do this thing. Um, I had to put aside everything that I think I know and just listen. And I had to do a writing. I wrote it down and write exactly what I was going to say. And I spoke to my sponsor and I read it to this person and I read it to my sponsor and she commented on it. I needed to keep it very simple and direct and not talk about my feelings or how they hurt me. But it was all about clearing up the wreckage that I've done to these people and apologizing in an sincere um, manner um, and not just trying to get it over with, but really be quite explicit to the, to the wrongs that I've done and to, keep, and to, and to get it right. Um, which brings me to the page, you know, when we got to this point in our in our in this step, I don't know. I did. There was a lot of prayer and meditation until I got to this step, you know. And and it was suggested to me along the way, you know, especially while I was writing, you know, because a lot of stuff came up when I was writing. It was like, oh, you know, how horrible a person I am because I did all this thing to the person, you know. I saw in writing all the, you know, where I was selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and fearful. I saw all my part in it, how I got the ball rolling. And, you know, was brought to my attention to go to page um, 552 in the book where it talks about, you know, having resentful, having resentments towards people and if I wanted to be free, what I needed to do. It talks about, you know, um, where I, you know, have to, you know, pray for this person 
um, the things that I want for myself, pray for this person for two weeks, and I can be free. And I tried it, and I tried it, and and it was true. I prayed for the per- for these people what I would want for myself. I prayed for their good health, well-being, and um, and happiness, for prosperity, happiness, and their health. And what happened was when I had to go to these people and make an amends, there was no hatred there. It was I wanted to clean up the street. I didn't have that hatred or that deep resentment that I felt beforehand, but I was able to go to them in a clear head and state exactly what I had done wrong and not get into, you know, what they should have done and relive, the, rehash the whole story, but to keep it very, very simple um, and to just clean it up, say what I did, acknowledge it, and to apologize in a, in a very sincere manner. And then it was told to me to say to them, and is there anything else that I need to address? Um, and, you know, I, can't, most of the, mo- I have to say 100% of the time, these people that I went to were um, very understanding and um, you know, things just like fell, fell, you know, away. Like, I just feel that it was like God was like, this is what it was meant to be. When it was talked about going to any lengths, you know, I did my part. I did whatever I had to do. And the other person received me um, very lovingly and, and forgiving. So, um, you know, it's about putting aside my ego myself and letting God lead the way and and remembering that it's not me, not about me. It's about, you know, clear, you know, making that amends and changing, you know, humbling myself and changing and not repeating the same behavior and living the way that God um, intends me to live. Um, And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Deborah. Who would like to share on this second paragraph that was read? Carol G. Tim. Okay, I have Sheila, Carol G., Tim G., Vasa, and there was someone else. Renata. Amy H. Renata. And and Amy H. Okay, let's go with those six. Sheila, Carol, Kim, Vasa, Renata, and Amy. Sheila, please first. Sheila, press star one to unmute. Hi, this is Sheila H. from New York. Can you hear me? Yeah, someone, someone is beeping on their phone. Please stop. Can you hear me now? I can hear you, yes. Go okay, ahead. good morning. Thank you for your service. I definitely wanted to jump into this. Thank you so much for the reading. Uh, I um, wanted to say this is probably one of the most challenging, one of the most challenging parts of my special recovery was actually praying for the people that have done more. 
and um, I had did a lot, quite a bit of counseling, and even reached out beyond the room to to try to make clarity of why I should do this and how I could do that. And it just kept coming back to the same thing: if I wanted freedom, if I wanted recovery, I would have to. And I didn't want to. I didn't openly want to do this. And yes, still today, there are people that I get on my knees and I pray for the same health, abundance, and prosperity that I pray for me. I pray for them. And it has been a freeing and a relief that I didn't expect. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Okay. Uh, let's go on to Carol G. You're next. Thank you, Sheila. Carol G, your turn. Please press star one. Hi, good morning, Katie. It's Carol G, uh, recovered in England. Thank you for your service. Okay, so there was so much in there. Um, um, let me see. Okay, so this morning, um, I'm using this process every single day. Someone harmed me this morning, damaged my garden fence, and immediately I had a kind attitude towards that person. Um, but I had to deal with my own response to that by using this inventory process. And I love how they talk about the bit between my teeth because that's what we do. We put that piece of metal between the horse's teeth to, to lead it somewhere. And I was led to a solution immediately by my higher power this morning because that's what I've done in this process. And I wasn't acting out in a self-confident way. I still haven't got my confidence back. I've got God confidence now. And I let God do all the heavy lifting, especially when it comes to conflict. Then looking back um, actually at my process itself, all the pain I was feeling when I came to Vision for You about my food and my, my life basically, I could no longer live in excuses. I was full of excuses and there was only one place left to put it and that was in the inventory process. So between sort of four and seven, I began to really change and then I had to look around in that change state at all the people that I'd harmed. Um, I had to see that I'd taken hostages, I'd left casualties, because when I'm in my defects, I harm other people, and there are many people in my life who tried to support me before I actually came to OA, but they failed, and I owed them some gratitude as well, even the people I didn't like. I love how it brings even people that I don't like. Um, and after having my spiritual awakening um, and this internal rearrangement, I kind of instinctively realized that I had to bring some peace into other people's lives um, because as an addict, I completely stole their peace of mind. People around me walked on eggshells um, and I became a changed person and I felt responsible for, for making a difference there. And anybody who's new in OA and listening to the meeting this morning, as I was, you know, a couple of years ago, I just, I just think to myself, you know, I didn't feel at that time when I was listening to the meeting that I could do that. And you're right, I couldn't do that because I was still unblocked. I was still unchanged. And it's like I just had to have faith that the person I will become in the future will be able to do this. And I just leaned into that step that I was in, which was probably step one, knowing that at some point in the future, this miracle would change and I would be able to conceive managing my life differently and I would be able to fathom out how to make amends and I would be able to go to people I didn't like and face them and I look at them eye to eye and 
I guess for me now, just sitting here, it's so easy for me to look back and see where I've come from and what I've experienced, but I remember the, the absolute trepidation and fear that I felt when I was listening to these meetings and thinking, oh, I can't do that. But we change so much. This process changes me, changes me every single day, and it makes that difference. It helps me get through to where I need to be, to look people in the eye and to make amends. Thank you, Anapa. Thank you so much, Carol G. Kim G., it's your turn. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I'm going to zone in on that last line. We go to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit, confessing our former ill feeling and expressing our regret. So where are we? We're in step nine. We have put down the food, and then we've absolutely walked through steps one through eight. And that's the posture we need for a step nine. So let me tell you what my posture was if I was doing these steps from the food or if I was doing them the way I wanted to or I was doing them in whatever order I wanted to do it. The way that I would have read that sentence was, we go to him in a judging and condemning spirit, expressing my current ill feeling and expressing my contempt. Because that's why it's so important that we have to do these first eight steps first. You know, how an amends went for me if I didn't do this work was, you know, I know you're a jerk, and I know I've been a jerk to you, but I found God, and I'm in this OA thing now, so my job is I have to forgive you for what a jerk you are. I mean, it sounds crazy, but that's what I did because I didn't do the work so I could get into that posture. And I had to get out of the idea that amends was an apology. So I looked up the definition of amends and the definition of apology because I apologized all the time. So an apology is to offer an excuse for some fault, failure, or injury. That ex- exactly explains, yeah, I'm sorry, but. Yeah, I'm sorry, but. Now, an amends is to change for the better, to remove or correct faults, or reparation or compensation for damage. I am saying to someone, I am wrong, and I am going to change. So if I say today, I'm sorry, X, Y, Z, and tomorrow I do X, Y, Z, I had to recognize nobody took my apologies seriously. So I'm looking here that this amends process also is not about forgiveness. It's not about condoning behavior. What it's about is that fourth column. I have to do this work so I know where I am selfish, where I am dishonest, where I am self-seeking, and where I am frightened. Because that is what I'm making an amends for. I'm making amends for the harm that I have done. And I'm just going to end with this, because when we come to this conclusion that we're powerless, this conclusion we need a power, we make that decision in step three, these action steps, one of the things I'm seeing more and more as I get into this work is what these action steps are are a series of prayers, actions, promises, and warnings. And if we do all this work, specifically as outlined, we're going to get those promises. If we do this work not specifically as outlined, we are not going to get those promises. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Vasa, your turn. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Katie, for your service. And I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from calling from Massachusetts. And, uh, yes, the steps are laid the way they are laid out for a reason. And I rem- it, uh, it, uh, uh, remember it was agreed at the beginning we, we would go to any length for 
victory over alcohol, and that was the that was my biggest motivator at that time. You know, yes, I will do whatever it takes, so I just won't go back into the food, and I didn't want to go back to the food, believe me. And coming, like, I did the first three steps all at once, one, two, three, and then I jumped into step 12, you know, going to my friends and looking for them that they were struggling with the food. And, you know, my sponsors, no, 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 Vasa, just work on yourself first, you know, let's take the steps the way they are laid out. And, uh, yeah, I took all the resentment from step four, and she suggested I have um, index cards. I would put the person's name, address, telephone number, whatever, you know, and to put plus if I was needed to make amends and minus if I didn't, you know. And I took a lot of names out of there, and, and I didn't even have to make a lot of those uh, amends because some of them, some of the people were dead, or some of them were in the old country, and some, you know, um, we don't also don't make any amends to people that we're going to hurt them or harm them. Because I remember a person in the program came, and her husband went and made amends to her because he was having enough affairs or cheated on her. I mean, that broke their marriage. So it's very, you know, we have to be very, very careful when we make our amends and to go with a person that has experience with this program or go to a counselor, you know, because we're so vulnerable at the beginning, you know. And I'm so glad that I had somebody to guide me through the process. And this was the most challenging steps for me, you know, step eight and nine, to make amends. And I remember when I was listing the people, and I'd say to my sponsor, oh, this is so hard. I'm not going to do it. She said, well, God got you up to this point, so you don't have to worry about it. When the time comes, God is going to put those people in your life, or you, or you will. He'll give you the strength. He'll give you the courage. And that was the truth, you know. When I was afraid, but God gave me the strength to do it, and going in a, being fearless, not being paralyzed with the fears. So I did make amends, like living amends, like to my husband at home. I was not going to say I'm sorry for this and living that, you know, changing my my behavior, you know. Um, and I have made amends to my husband. For certain things, I will never tell him about that other things because that's going to hurt him. And I did prayer for, for the dead. My mother was dead at that time, so I would go to the grave and I did a prayer, and, you know, or write a letter. Um and face-to-face, that was the hardest for me to do face-to-face, going to my aunt and saying to her, well, I stole some cheese from the barn, you know, when I was a kid. And she laughed, and she said, well, you must have been really hungry, my dear. She didn't get mad or angry at me, you know. So it, it worked out for the best, you know, when I made my, my amends. And some of them I still haven't because God hasn't put them in my life. And God did when the time comes, and I will do it. Thank you very much for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Renata, your turn. Hi, Susie. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. This is, sorry, Kathy. Kate, I'm all over the place today. Renata, Recovered Compulsive Reader in New York. And, um, you know, it talks about you know, the question of how to approach the man we hated will arise. It may be that he has done more harm than we have done him, 
And so, you know, that made me think of one specific amend I had to make. You know, I had this friend that we always had differences, and every time we had a problem, every time I felt that, you know, she was doing something harmful to me, I never said anything, right? Because, first of all, I didn't have tools to cope with life. You know, I was not an assertive person, so I just kept stuffing it down with the food and stuffing it down and stuffing it down until one day I exploded, you know, and uh, I called her and I was really, really, really mean and nasty to her. I was purposely mean, you know, I I said things to her that I knew would be very hurtful and, uh, you know, that felt good for, for, for a day or so. It felt like, okay, I got even. I finally, you know... Uh, gave her what she deserved, uh, but even like even before going through the steps, I knew that what I did was wrong. I felt so much guilt about it, so much shame, because you know my friend went crazy. She would call me in the middle of the night and threaten me and all of that. Like I really, really got to her, right? And so when I did this process, I had to to go back and make amends to her. And so the amends here is not that all of a sudden she's this angel that had done nothing wrong, but it's, you know, I need to apologize and to change my behavior for what I did. What I did to her, no matter what she has done to me, was wrong. You know, so like it says in the Step 10 Promises, we have ceased fighting anything or anyone. Like today I know that if I have someone in my life that is, you know, hurtful to me, like it's not a good, like if it's a toxic relationship, I need to live it, you know, live it alone. And, uh, you know, God will bring better friends, better people. But if I insist in it and then go about it and do harm, then I have to take responsibility for that. And so, you know, making amends, like you said before, it's not about forgiving or, I mean, it's not about forgetting everything the other person did, but it's about taking responsibility for my part. I did some wrong. I, you know, in the step four, I was really able to see how I was dishonest, that the whole entire relationship, you know, selfish and, uh, you know, very, very self-seeking. I, did, I only thought about myself. And so it was so freeing to make those amends. And she did not receive my amends very well. But it doesn't matter, you know. At least I was free when I made this, this amends. And just to finish, like the most important thing is I didn't do this alone. By working all the other steps, by now I have this trust and reliance on a higher power. Because before the steps, even though I felt guilty and ashamed, I, had, I, I couldn't do the amends. You know, I had no tools to do it. But now my higher power goes with me and I could do all my amends. Thanks and I pass. Thank you, Renata. Amy H., you're up. Please press star one, Amy. Here I am. Sorry about that. Okay, great. Uh-huh. Amy H., recovered in Ohio. I'm so glad to join you this morning. We go to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit, confessing our former ill feeling and expressing our regret. That clause right there, confessing our former ill feeling, always 
brings me up short because I think, oh my gosh, I have to go to everybody and say, boy, I really hated you, or man, I really was jealous of you all through high school, or um, I always envied you. Um, and that felt to me like it was especially like, boy, I really hated you. That <laughs> feels like where it, it, it talks about later in, in the big book. Um, we we don't make these amends to put something on other somebody else to burden them, right? It's it's about our side of the street. So we'll we'll be talking in the next couple of pages about making, you know, speaking to our spouses if we've had affairs and whether it's right to um, full disclosure of who we had affairs with, and it's going to suggest that that's. Um, really not appropriate because it's drawing in a third party who doesn't need to be drawn in and that doing that kind of behavior and that kind of amend, offense mending may do more harm than good in the end. Um, what I have to do here in terms of confessing my former ill feeling is um, this is where it's so instructive for me to do that fear inventory, uh, the fourth step inventory process, that column where I'm taking a look at how I set the ball rolling especially when it's somebody who has lashed out at me and I have felt that it was unjustified. Um, uh, I, By digging deeper, I can always find that I set something going, that there was a, a thoughtless remark or I was joking, but really not joking in a, a funny way, but in a sarcastic way, like trying to get a point across. Um, boy, this happens with my mom all the time. Just a real, you know, I think I'm being funny and it's hurting her feelings. And then she retaliates. And then I think, well, what was up with that? I was just being funny. I was just making a joke. And then when I dig a little bit deeper, I find what, what my real motive was there. In which case I go to her and say, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for my, um, I said to my mother recently, uh, uh, I said, you know, when you call me on the phone, I act so annoyed and put upon when you call me. And I don't know where that feeling comes from. And I don't want to treat you that way. And I'm going to do the work to figure out why it is that when you call me and I'm in the middle of, I don't know, brushing my teeth, I act like you're interrupting the most important thing I've ever done. Um, I'll take a look at that. But in the meantime, I'm sorry, and I'm going to make this right. And one of the ways that I made amends to her was um, not this past Lent, but the Lent before I called her every single day. I thought, what is, who is the kind of, I thought of the ideal that I wanted to create with my mom. And it was an ideal of a loving, um, close relationship. And I thought that one way I could do that, living far away from her, is to call her every day. And I did that, and it really transformed our relationship, just to have these little, you know, five-minute, ten-minute talks every single day. That was the amend that I found that worked for me. But again, it came through prayer and meditation and following that intuitive, you know, that sixth sense that we start to develop as part of um, working these steps. Um, That's all I have. Thank you so much. I pass. Thank you. Would anybody else like to share on this paragraph before we move on? Charles H. Larry. Dante H. Larry. Andy. Okay. Okay. Wait. 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 Sally. Okay. I heard Charles H. Larry. 
Okay. I think I heard um, Rachel. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, Rachel W. Okay. And I heard uh, several other people, and then I heard Sally. But I'm sorry, I did. I just didn't get all your names. Anne Marie. Anne, 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 Anne Marie. Marie. Anne, Madam. Santa H. Anne, was that? Okay, Madam. Okay, Santa H. Okay, was that Anne Marie? Yes. Okay. Okay, well, well, we will try to get all these in. So um, here it is. Charles, excuse me, Charles H., Rachel, I don't know your middle or your last name, uh, Larry K., Anne-Marie, Matt M., Santa H., and Sally A. Charles H., please go. Good morning, it's Charles H., can I be heard? Yes, Charles. Thank you. And, uh, you know, I'm 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 going to donate uh, one of my minutes, right, because it's not about me, and what I have to say is really not important. But, you know, I'm going to use an analogy, um, like, like say, my computer. You know, if I minimize me and maximize everybody else, I'm really doing myself a, a justice, right? Um, you know, I thank God, the God of my overstanding, for my double whammy today. You know, uh, we're in the ninth step, so... I'm locked and loaded, the obsession of the mind of completing. I'm willing. First of all, I'm willing. I got willing. I got the courage. I prayed for it again and again and again and again and again, right? Uh, I'm willing. So the obsession of getting me in my mind, of getting these resentments done, the tough one, I'm willing because I know the payoff. I know the prize. I know the cash prize or just the prize, the spiritual prize. And then, and then the allergy of the body, once I get one of them things done, one of them tough ones, once I start, that, that gook that's that, that stuck in the, the air-conditioned duct, once I get that one out, I'm a, I can't stop. I was on a train this morning coming to work, and, 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 and a rather, um, excuse me, can you hear me still? Uh-huh, we can hear yeah, you. A, a, yeah, a rather heavy person sat next to me, and I jumped up real quick. Forgetting that I was that heavy person that sat next to somebody else that caught that resentment, and you know, right away I was I, I said you know I I'm deeply sorry. I went back to that person and she had a smile on her face and it was just awesome. It's just so freeing. So that double whammy today, man. That you know I can't fight what I don't know was killing me. You know, self will was self will will kill. So once I kill self. And, and, and everybody else lives, you know. Four, four through nine equals ten on a daily basis. With that, I'm a pass. Thanks for allowing me to share. Thank you, Charles. And Rachel, return. Please press star one, Rachel. I'm sorry. Good morning. This is Rachel W. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Super. Thank you so much. Good morning, and thank you for your service. And good morning, everyone here on the line today. Um, I just wanted to focus in on the sentence, it is harder to go to an enemy than to a friend, but we find it much more beneficial to us. So here, once again, is 
is proof um, that something that's hard for me, you know, something that's difficult, that that block, that wall of resistance, well, that's the key to the future. You know, that's the, that's the thing that's going to get me um, to the next level and, and into the next dimension. And I would even say that um, for me, you know, going to my – and I don't really feel like I have enemies, but, but you know, to go, harder to go to an enemy than to a friend. If I would have written this, I would have said it's much more – difficult to go to my children than to anyone else because for me to acknowledge you know who I was when I'm you know when I was in the throes of my addiction you know I've seen family videos over the last 25 almost 26 years and um in the early days when I was into the food I and I'm, I'm watching myself now as a as a mother back then and and seeing myself you know handing my children you know junk food and other things that we can only imagine you know what what's in the mind of a raging addict so so I feel that, you know, for me to truly own, you know, the, the chaos that I've inflicted, not only in my, with my husband or with my family, you know, but in particular, I think the most difficult place to go is to see, you know, how have I affected my children. And yesterday I saw that video, um, that clip from Baltimore of the mother, you know, pulling away her son. And I just, you know, my, like I just felt for her, you know, I just felt like that, you know, I've been there in that, in that place of just, you know, don't you see this? Like, can't you see this? And, and, um, and you know what, that's not my job, that's not my role. And um, at the end of time, you know, I, I just want them to have the example of, of someone who's been in this program and, and who's been transformed. And thank God, thank God they have seen a transformation. But it is a daily process, and I, and I do feel like I'm making this living amends every day. But um, I'm also, so I'm look, at, at once I'm looking into the past to, to, to understand you know the the full extent that I could I could damage someone you know through this addiction and yet I'm looking to the future you know as someone just shared a while ago like I could be that person I may not be there yet but the person I'm going to be after I'm transformed will be able to you know to handle you know that that place and I I just um I'm so grateful and uh, so in the end you know the the I can't I, what I can say is I've grown from making amends to my husband to my friends and to my enemies. But nowhere have I grown as much as as the living amends and the continued amends I make with my children. So um, just wanted to, you know, thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you so much, Rachel W. and Larry K. You're up. Thanks, Katie. Larry K. Uh, recovered compulsive here from Chicago. Um, you know, the, the step nine process. You know, like like with all the action steps. Um, is a process of change. You know, that's that's what we hear. And, you know, it wasn't so much, um, you, you know, I needed, God, I needed the God of my understanding to change me because I would never be able to think my way into a new way of acting. That was, that was the problem, which I didn't understand. That's why I struggled with life uh, so terribly, not just with food, but with every aspect of life. I was always the, the fish swimming upstream. I was always struggling because I thought that if I had a better idea and I could think differently and I could change the way I, the way I thought about, about my world, about you, about every situation, that then my behavior would, um, would be better. And because this is a, a process whereby God changed my thinking, I didn't change my thinking, God changed my thinking. What did I do? I chopped my wood. I carried my buckets of water. In other words, I took the action steps. 
So I acted. The action steps are just that. We act. We just follow the directions. And in step nine, we go out even if we don't feel. See, that was the problem for many of us. I know it was for me is that I, would, I just wanted to feel better first. God, just, you know, let me feel better first. Then I'll put the food down. Then I'll, then I'll act better. And it never, ever happened for me. Maybe it happened for you. I'd love to hear your story if it did. But it never happened for me. It was only by taking these steps all the way through, even when I didn't feel good. Because you know what? You're not going to feel good. That's been my experience. And then the miracle of God changing us, transforming us. And then, yes, you're going to have new, new thoughts. So sorry, you know, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm such a good, you know, I, I can say I'm sorry. But um, that's a board game that I played as a kid. That's not, that doesn't change my, my actions. I've got to, I've got to, God's got to install new thinking. He's got to restructure me from the ground up all the way from the tip of my toes to the top of my head. And then when, I, when God does that, that restoration process, then I start behaving differently. Of course I do. So that's, uh, that's all I have to share. Thank God for this program. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry. And Anne-Marie, you're up. Good morning. This is Anne-Marie, recovered compulsive overeater in South Carolina. Thank you for your service. Um, it was already said, but when, when while we were reading this paragraph, I was thinking of the importance of doing these steps in order. And I know that um, someone else had already spoke about this, but there was only one out of all the very many um, amends I needed to make, only one that did not go well. And that was with... Um, my ex-husband, um, my ex-husband, and for for a while, I did have him on a list where I there was no way that I was going to make amends with him. He had done serious harm um, to me and also to my young daughter at the time. And so, um, you know, through the process of working these steps in order, I was able to make amends to him, and. The response was not good that I received from him, and I I felt badly, and I was able to speak to my sponsor about it, but when I received that response, I did not have the feeling to defend myself, um, because I, even though I could, you know, I saw all of his, you know, character defects, I, there was, there was, I was part of the problem, you know, it takes two. There's always part of, you know, and I could see where my character defects were, and that's what I needed to make amends about. And But I did not feel like I needed to retaliate. I didn't feel like I needed to defend myself. I found peace. And I believe with all my heart that if I had not done steps one through eight, um, especially six and seven, but, you know, all the steps in order as they are um, instructed for us to do, um, I would not have had the response that I, I, my response. I mean, his response was going to be his response, but my response um, of not wanting to retaliate and having that peace came from doing the steps in order. So I'm going to pass with that. Thank you. 
Thank you, Anne-Marie. Matt M., your turn. Yes, hi. Good morning, moderator, and good morning, my fellow visionaries. I got on being late, but I I already caught up on everything you read. Yeah, um, Steph, no, I heard something today about a person who was dealing with a family member calling them all the time, and for me, that was like getting hit right between the eyes. I have a brother who's um, disabled, and he's, he's, he's low enough to call me, and we talk all the time, but I found myself getting annoyed sometimes when he calls because he always calls like five times in a row when he can't get me when I'm in the middle of something. And I was getting so resentful because I had expectations. That's a big word, expectations how I think people should act towards me. Yeah, I don't do that, so why should I expect other people? Why should I be okay when other people do it? And I realized, oh, my God, this person doesn't know any better. So what I'm really doing is getting resentful over somebody who can't help themselves. Where does that get me? Hmm, let me think. Puts me right back in the food and puts me right back into an angry attitude. I'm not connected to my higher power. And you know what? I really do. I'm going to try doing something today for myself. I'm going to call my brother every day to try to help be, be of maximum service to him. Because I found out really what it is. The poor kid is lonely. He lives in a group home away from me. I'm his only family member that's left. All the rest of our family's passed away. Mother, family, uh, everything else. It's just me and him. So, of course, he's going to want to talk to me all the time. I really need to hear that because, you know, it's very easy for... Um, me and us to get involved in this in this sense of like you know our importance that wow I'm so important you know I, I have stuff to do you know I can't call you know and I realized wow that's just arrogance and character defects coming up and um, also I, I'm with all these amends that I have to make there's some of them who I have less badly from harm me while they harm them it's somebody I just hurt but I have to be have the willingness I do I really need to hear this today from everybody because I'm not perfect and uh, I'm not my own higher power. And I have a long way to go in this process, but you know what? I have the willingness today. And I'm so glad I heard what I heard today and shared, and because it's exactly what I needed to hear. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Matt M. And Santa H., you're up. Good morning. My name is Santa H., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from New Jersey. And Kathy, thank you for your service today, and thank you, everyone on the line that's listening and shared. Uh, wow, I'm going to want to comment on the line that says, we are willing to announce our convictions with tact and common sense. For me, I, I'm very grateful that the Step 9 process for me was such a glowing, magical experience for me. Perhaps I was just pretty much in tune with my higher power, but everyone that I had to make an amends to, they just appeared in my life. They just popped up out of nowhere and it just flowed for me. And um, I didn't do it alone. I had fellows to support me. And I utilized them according to the way my high power had led me to do it. And the most memorable for me, I had many wonderful, amazing, glorious uh, men's. But the most memorable one for me is the one to my ex-husband. Because I, we at that time, no, nobody did, had any idea that he was going to be dying. Uh, that he would die, um, I made amends to him approximately two weeks before his death. And I, and I went to him, and as, as my higher power led for me to share, and it was very simple and to the point. And as a result of it, and I was not even looking for it, he made amends back to me. And for my ex-husband to say, I'm sorry, it is a lot, because he doesn't say it. Very rarely would he have said it in, you know, during our marriage. And that was so meaningful to me. 
because I knew in my heart that as long as I was focusing on the way my higher power wanted me to do the amends, and long as I said, okay, God, leading God and direct me, you lead the way, and I would do it the way you see fit for me to do it, and your timing, because timing is so important, and the timing was just right, and I was so grateful, and I tell my higher power to this day that that was the greatest gift he ever gave me was to be able to make an amends to my ex-husband before he left this earth. And I'm so grateful for that. And I'm so grateful for my my sponsor who took me through the steps the first time because she never harped on me. She never badgered me. She she just took me through this book, gracefully went, went from step nine to step ten, and never once did she um, demand anything of me when it came to the step nine process. But she was there. But I had questions, and she answered them. And she stayed in her lane, and it was awesome. And with that, I passed. Thank you so much. And Sally A., you'll be our last chair today. Thank you, Katie. It's Sally A., um, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in South Jersey. And um, what I wanted to speak to was this little teeny piece of uh, 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 words here. It says, we take the bit in our teeth. I think that this is, um, for somebody who um, has been around horses, I'm sure this is very meaningful. Um, Nevertheless, with a person we dislike, we take the bit in our teeth. And the bit is part of the reins that are um, on the head of a horse. And the reins are the part that basically allow the horse's rider to communicate directional commands to the to the horse's head and pulling on the reins leads to pulling on the bit and that's how the horse is controlled so the bit intimates controlling the tongue our words so when it says here we take the bit in our teeth it reminds me first of all that this process by the time i reach step nine First of all, of course, you don't make any amends without first bringing all of the information and, and passing it through your sponsor because your sponsor acts as a witness to your higher power. That's how I treat my sponsor. My God is basically walking with me, holding my hand, and my sponsor is a witness. So when we take the bit in our teeth, we are now saying that we are allowing something else, someone else, to control our mouth. I'm having my sponsor control the words that come from me, control only to the extent that she's a witness to the work that I'm doing with God. And so as I have developed a God consciousness, and that's what we've been doing throughout these steps, it's very clear in step three and on page 52 and 53 and through 55, we were developing a God consciousness. And once we do that, we get here, When we get here to this step nine, we're ready to be prayerfully proceeding. And when we take the bit in our teeth, we are here acknowledging that we are going to be helped by our higher power. He's going to to steer our thinking. He's going to steer our... We lost you, Sally. Okay, I'm here. There you are. 
It is harder to go to an enemy than to a friend, but we find it is much more beneficial. Why is it more beneficial? Because it's far more ego-reducing, and that's what I need. And that's what I want to say in closing. We do this. I do it for me. I selfishly do it for me. I go and I make these amends, and I prayerfully and with my sponsor as a witness, I go to my sponsor for her guidance because that's what we need to do so we can get well. It's all ego reduction. And the most ego reduction, it doesn't come from going to someone we know loves us and is going to receive us well. The real ego reduction comes when we go to the person that's harder to go to. It is harder to go to an enemy than to a friend, but we find it much more beneficial because that's where the ego reduction comes from, and that's what these steps are all about, reducing my ego and leading me to a place where I'm willing to let God put the bit in my mouth. I see the scene of Gone with the Wind, and Red Butler's running, running across that backdrop, and the, and the horse has a, a, a towel over his eyes, and he's running with the reins, and that is my God running with me. Thanks for letting me share with that I pass. Thank you, Sally, and thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Karen M. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning. This is Rachel and M. Are you ready for me to read? Um, actually, I called on Karen M. because she was the second reader and we didn't get to her. I'm sorry. Please excuse That's me. That's okay. That's okay. Karen, are you there? Press star one to unmute. Okay, Rachel and M., you can, if you could go ahead, please, that would be great. Good morning. This is Rachel N.M. I'm a thankful recovered overeater and anorexic from Ohio. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. I pass.